Good morning. Uh, my name is Brandon Holloman, and I'm a senior here at Pitts Baptist Church. Uh, currently, I attend uh, J.M. Robinson High School, just right down the road. Uh, but this fall, I'm going to be attending North Carolina State University as <laughs> as an engineering major. And I'm sorry to say this for Kevin Knight, but go Pack. <laughs> he knows I've been he knows I've been a, a, a Carolina fan my entire life, but he was mad I had to change teams on him. Uh, today, my pericope, a nice little seminary word for you, is from uh, James 1, 12 through 25. Uh, Kevin taught me this word la- just last week, so don't think I'm a genius or anything. Uh, my, a pericope is just basically like my main unit of thought that I'm going to cover. Uh, Kevin also told me I had to preach for 30 minutes. I'm no Pastor Scott, but I'll try my best. Uh, before I'd like to start my message, I'd like to give some background information on the book of James. Uh, the author of James, obviously, is James the Just. He, or he, he's James, and uh, his nickname was James the Just. He was the half-brother of Jesus. Uh, James most likely wrote this book in the mid-40s A.D., not the 1840s, A.D. 40s, to the 12 tribes of the dispersion. Uh, the, the dispersion occurred after the stoning of Stephen, which was written about in Acts 7.54 through Acts 8.1, which I'll read now. Uh, when the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were very furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God, and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this, they covered their ears, and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city, and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep, and Saul approved of their killing him. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. So all the Christians at this time in Jerusalem were forced to flee, flee Jerusalem and uh, go to nearby countries because they feared that they were going to get persecuted like uh, Stephen did. And as a result, they couldn't just up and build a new church. They had to uh, meet in what are known as house churches, which is basically just a church in somebody's house. Uh, James' main pur- purpose in writing this was to because uh, he feared that these house churches were becoming like splitting up and uh, dividing, uh, uh, and he feared this of these divisions and factions because many people were reverting back to their worldly lifestyles, and he feared that they would become double-minded, following both God and the world. But he he wanted them to just follow God. Uh, an interesting fact that most people don't know about James is that he did not become a Christian until after Jesus' resurrection. Uh, uh, imagine uh, living life with Jesus as a child. He was, he was probably very annoying because he never sinned. He never got in trouble. And he was, a, he was basically a good, the goody-goody of the family. Uh, James resented Jesus for this because he, uh, when he started his missions, he, he, he told thousands that he was the Son of God. And James didn't believe that Jesus was who he said he was. Um, however, when Jesus died on the cross and rose uh, on the third day, he appeared to James and showed, the holes, showed him the holes in his hands. And from then on, James became a believer. Um, James also went on to become a very influential leader in the church. All right, so the overall theme of James is testing your faith to prove its validity. Uh, the validity and assurance of our faith is very important because it uh, gives us a sense of security that we can actually call ourselves the followers of Jesus. And on Judgment Day, we can hear those wonderful words, well done, good and faithful servant. 
Um, some tests that help prove uh, the validity of our faith that James uses are tests like tests of humility, tests of temptation, tests of faith, tests of the tongue, tests of partiality, uh, among others. Uh, but today I'd still like to focus on the test of temptation, which comes from James 1, 12 through 25. So if you would stand with me as we read God's word. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own, of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself, and goes away, and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Uh, will you pray with me? Dear Lord, thank you for this day you have given to us. Thank you for allowing us to come together as a church and worship you. Uh, Lord, we know there are places around the world that have never even heard the name Jesus, and we're very thankful that we know you. Lord, I pray, I thank you for um, providing godly leaders to not only our youth group, but to our church as a whole. And Lord, I pray that as I deliver this message, that you would watch over me and hide me behind the cross. In your name I pray, amen. You can be seated. Alright, the title of my uh, message this morning is True Obedience to God is Necessary in Overcoming Trials and Temptations. It's kind of long, but I think it uh, encompasses the entire passage. Uh, My first point I'd like to talk about is the origin of temptation. Uh, This corresponds with James 1, 12-15, which I'll reread. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, the person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. All right, now everybody knows that man has sinned since the beginning of the time, of time, so that's where we're going to start. Could you please turn with me to Genesis 3, 1 through 8? Um, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat of any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, but God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. 
When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. All right, so here we're introduced uh, to the serpent. He is described as being very crafty and cunning. He first deceives Eve by asking the question, "Did God really say you cannot eat any of the of the eat of any of the trees in the garden?" Uh, this causes Eve to use her brain a little bit because this is nowhere close to what to what um, God actually told her. In actuality, God told her that she could eat of any tree in the garden except for the one uh, in the middle. Also, this is the first time in her life that. Uh, God has not been a part of the, any decision she's made. She's, uh, God has made decisions for her about what food she should eat, where she should live, and even who her, who her mate should be. Um, and she, this is also the first time that uh, she's been tempted to do something that dishonors God. The serpent notices this and takes advantage of it by telling her that if she eats the fruit, she could be like God. Uh, thus a battle in her mind begins between what she wants to do and what God wants to do. This is known as desire. Um, Eve did not sin just because uh, the devil tempted her. She sinned by giving into that, giving into that desire and eating the fruit. One of the main reasons why Eve gave in to her desire is because her desire was just too great. She saw something she liked and she went after it, which is in our, which is in our human nature. We've been, we were born with, uh, wanting to sin. In today's world, uh, we get so many great opportunities like job promotions or getting to play on a sports team that we don't realize that it might not be a part of God's plan. Um, one example of this in my life is, uh, when I was 12 or 13, I got invited to play on a travel baseball team. And so almost every weekend, Saturday and Sunday, we played multiple games. And uh, even though it didn't seem bad at first because I love playing baseball, it, it took away from my time Sunday mornings with God. And so over those two or three years, I saw my, I saw my personal life with God de- steadily decreasing, and I realized that I needed to get back into a, to a more regular routine of getting to church Sunday morning. So as a result, I quit that baseball team and began to go back to church because I realized I needed to get my priorities straight. Um, Not only did Eve give in to her desires, but she also blamed them on someone else. In verse 13, when God asks her uh, about the fruit, she replies, the serpent deceived me and I ate. In in today's society, society, people love to take credit for the thing, the good things that they do. But as soon as they do something wrong, they never want to take the blame for it. They want to shove it on everybody else. Um, but as believers, when we fall into temptation, it is vital that we take responsibility and own up to our wrongdoings, especially when we're asking forgiveness from God. True repentance is understanding that you did something wrong in God's eyes and that you want to to mend that relationship. And, um, <laughs> I'm sorry, uh, by asking him forgiveness and trying not to make that same mistake again. Although I've been talking about Eve's sin, Adam uh, is definitely not off the hook. He also eats the fruit and takes the blame game one step further. In verse 12, when God asks Adam 
about the fruit, he responds, The woman whom you gave to me, he gave me, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate. So here Adam blames God for giving him Eve and making him do something that he could definitely have said no, said no to. And uh, this connects back to James, because in James 1.13, uh, God, it says that God cannot be tempted by anyone or anything, and he, and he himself also tempts no one. Uh, since the scripture says this, uh, Adam's, uh, argument that, Adam's argument that, uh, God tempted him is not valid. Uh, and one example in the Bible of God not being associated with sin or being, being tempted by anyone is when, when Jesus bore the sins of, of the earth on the cross, uh, God was forced to turn his back because he could not be associated with that sin. Uh, since the fall of man, we have been born into sin, and the only person we can blame for that sin is ourselves. Um, one thing I really want you all to remember is the fact that being tempted is not wrong. It's only wrong when you give into that desire and commit the sin. Uh, even, even Jesus, the perfect, the perfect Savior of the world, was tempted at, one, at, at many times, actually. And uh, he, used, he used scriptures to defend himself. Uh, in Hebrews 2.18 it says, Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Um, there, are many, there are also many other influential, influential people in the Bible that were tempted but failed to, or, but did sin and failed to, um, like, failed to, um, failed to not, failed to, I'm sorry, failed to not sin, I guess. <laughs> Um, but a couple a couple examples are King David, who uh, lusted over Bathsheba, and also Noah, who after he got off the ark, uh, he grew a vineyard and got drunk off of the grapes he grew. Um, all right, so now that we've talked about the origin of temptation, uh, my second point is God's faith is always, or God is always faithful to us during times of trouble. Um, even though all humans are t- have been tempted uh, sometime in their life, we need to realize that we can go to Him with anything. Uh, God's grace is everlasting, and there is no, there is not any sin that's too big for Him to uh, forgive. And James one sixteen through eighteen says, "Do not be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows." He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. So one of God's most important and perfect gifts to us is Jesus. Uh, as you know, in the Old Testament, before, they, uh, before Jesus came, they atoned for their sins by sacrificing a spotless animal. But after Jesus died on the cross and bore the weight of sin of the world, we no longer have to do that. God sent a perfect sacrifice, and as believers, we can ask for forgiveness and without having to sacrifice a spotless animal, and God will, God will wipe our uh, sins clean. Um, also, according to verse 17, God is never changing. He is always ready and willing to help us with trials of various kinds, trials and troubles of various kinds. He will also, be all, he will also always be loving and faithful and gracious to us. Uh, if we have put our faith in God, we can trust that He will help us through tri- times of troubles at any time in our life. Uh, one big, one big event that took place in my life recently was our youth uh, mission trip, uh, m- m- youth mission trip to Malawi. Um, I didn't have any like 
trials to endure per se, but there are many things that took me out of my comfort zone. One of those was the fact that I had never been on a plane before, and our second, the second leg of our trip was 14 hours across the Atlantic Ocean, so <laughs> with Bryson Seeger sitting right beside me. So, <laughs> um, Also, there were a lot of firsts on that trip as well. Um, also on the plane, the guy in front of me had his seat laid up all over my legs, and I'm so tall, but it, it, it was very uncomfortable. Um, also, it was about 100 degrees in that plane. People, can, people that went on the trip can testify to that. It was, it was very hot. So, and the food was also not gourmet either. That was the first time I'd been on a... <laughs> um, so as you can imagine, I was ready to get off of that plane. Um, this was also the first time that I had uh, traveled outside the United States, and thus I was not able to communicate very well with the people of Malawi. It was hard at first, but after the translators, we, we did pretty good. Uh, I prayed to God before and during this trip that he would protect me because I knew there were things that would take me out of, this, out of my comfort zone. I knew that God would protect me, and he had a plan for my life, and he did. It, it made a big impact on my life and uh, grew my faith even further. I knew I was not there to be accommodated with any special treatments. I knew that I was there to serve others and share the gospel. Uh, I felt God's protection on this journey, and even though there were some moments of, t- of discomfort, my life was changed, and I knew God had great things in store for my life. Um, I also learned something else. God purposely brings these trials into our lives to, to test us and see if we rely on Him or we rely on ourselves to get us through these uh, times of trouble. In God's eyes, a believer needs uh, these trials in our life to prove and validate that our, our faith is genuine. Um, David Platt, who is a pastor in Birmingham, Alabama, wrote a book called Christ Sinners Exposition, Exalting Jesus and James. And in that he says, In trials we experience growth and godliness like we could never experience any other way. This is not encouraging if your goal is to have a nice, easy, carefree life with all the circumstances going like you have planned. If that's your goal, then trials will never be a joy to you. But when you set your sights above the stuff of this world and you fix your eyes on God and the knowledge of Him and maturity in Him, then trials will be a joy to you because they will teach you to know, love, and trust Him. So, so far we've talked about the origin of temptation and God's faithfulness to us in our times of trouble. Uh, thirdly and lastly, uh, God, has shown his, God has shown His grace to us and we have seen what it can do, but our responsibility is to take it and accept it and trust it. James 1.19-25 says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is, someone like, is, so, is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. So we must be willing to accept God's grace and help in times of trouble. He is always available He's always available to help us, but it is our choice as to whether we want to accept that grace or not. And uh, I have a clip I like y'all to watch that I think 
shows us as believers how we should, is a good representation of uh, how we as believers should react in times of troubles. So if you would turn your attention to the screen. Your attitude's like the aroma of your heart. If your attitude stinks, it means your heart's not right. You sure let's preach it. Mm-hmm. What? How's your attitude, Brock? It's fine. Then you'll be okay with the death crawl, right? Yeah. All right, everybody on the goal line. Get your partner. Let's go. All right, let's go. Show me something. Ten yards. Move it. Move it. Let's go. Let's go, Matt. Let's go. Let's go, Jonathan. Show me something. Ten yards. Show me some power. No knees. Keep your knees off the ground. Show me something. There we go. Ten yards. Show me some muscle. Show me some power. Give me some heart. Let's go. Very good, boy. Very good. Let's run it back. So, Coach, how strong is Westview this year? A lot stronger than we are. You already written Friday night down as a loss, Brock? Well, not if I know we could beat them. Come here, Brock. You too, Jeremy. What, am I in trouble now? Not yet. I want to see you do the death crawl again, except I want to see your absolute best. <laughs> <laughs> what, you want me to go to the 30? I think you can go to the 50. 50. I can go to the 50 if nobody's on my back. I think you can do it with Jeremy on your back. But even if you can, I want you to promise me you're going to do your best. All right. Your best. Okay. You going to give me your best? I'm going to give you my best. All right, one more thing. I want you to do it blindfolded. Why? Because I want you giving up at a certain point when you can go further. Get down. Jeremy, get on his back. <laughs> I get a good tight hold, Jeremy. All right, let's go, Brock. Keep your knees off the ground, just your hands and feet. There you go. A little bit left. A little bit left. There you go. Show me good effort. That way, Brock. You keep coming. There you go. It's a good start. A little bit left. A little bit left. There you go, Brock. Good strength. That's it, Brock. That's it. Not another 20 yet? Forget the 20. You give me your best. You keep going. That's it. No, don't stop, Brock. You got more in you than that. Hey, done. Just rest in a second. You got to keep moving. Let's keep moving. Let's go. Don't quit till you got nothing left. There you go. Keep moving. Keep moving. Keep moving, Brock. That's it. You keep driving. Keep your knees off the ground. Keep driving. Your very best. Your very best. Your very best. Keep moving, Brock. That's it. That's it. That's it. Keep going. Don't quit on me. Keep going. Keep driving. Keep driving. Keep your knees off the ground. That's it. Your very best. Don't quit on me. Your very best. Keep driving. Keep driving. There you go. There you go. That's it. You keep driving. Keep your knees off the ground. Keep driving. Don't quit till you got nothing left. Keep moving, Brock. That's it. That's it. That's it. Keep going. I want everything you got. Come on, keep going. It hurts. Don't quit on me. Your very best. Keep driving. Keep driving. There you go. There you go. 
He's heavy. I know I'm, he's heavy. I'm bad out of strength. Then you negotiate with your body to find more strength, but don't you give up on me, Brock. You keep going, you hear me? You keep going. You're doing good. You keep going. Do not quit on me. You keep going. It hurts. I know it hurts. You keep going. You keep going. It's all hard from here. 30 more steps. You keep going, Brock. Come on. Keep going. Burn. And let it burn. It's all hard. You keep going, Brock. Come on. Come on. Keep going. You promised me your best. Your best. Don't stop. Keep going. Too hard. It's not too hard. You keep going. Come on, Brock. Give me more. Give me more. Keep going. 20 more steps. 20 more. Keep going, Brock. Give me your best. Don't quit. No. Keep going. Look up, Brock. You're in the end zone. Alright, you can cut it off. Um, I feel like this clip from Facing the Giants is a great representation of how we as believers should react in times of trouble. Uh, the coach here is a good representation of God in that he's leading and guiding uh, Brock, the football player, across the field. Uh, Brock, the blindfolded football player, is a great representation of a believer who's he's forced to perform the death crawl uh, with a player on his back, which could represent a trial or temptation that comes in his life. And the blindfold uh, would represent our faith in God, even though... Uh, even though Brock could not see where he was going, he was willing to put his trust in his coach and, and go as far as he could. Uh, when he finished, the rest of his team saw uh, his willingness to put his faith in his coach, and they were willing to make him a leader and someone that, he, that, that they depended on. And uh, just as uh, they made Brock their leader, we need to be witnesses to unbelievers, so they might, they might see us as somebody that, we can, that they could depend on and... Uh, when they have questions about their faith, that they could come to us and know that uh, we would guide them in the, in the right direction. Um, and also, Brock could have easily given up at any time, but he chose to listen to his coach. Um, uh, at first, the coach originally told him to just go to the 50-yard line, but he challenges Brock even more, and he eventually goes the entirety of the field. Um, just as a coach made Brock go and above his own expectations, God, in, in the midst of trials and temptations in our lives, God will bring us out of those with faith that has grown even greater than we ever thought it would. A uh, sub-point of this responsibility that we have to accept uh, God's grace is we must not only hear the word, but do the word. As believers, it is very important to uh, read the word of God, whether it be here at church or in our quiet times. A quiet time is very vital to a believer because it is, time, is it, it is a time uh, that we can further our personal relationships and uh, grow, grow further in the, in the faith. Uh, according to verse 22, someone's faith is only genuine if he or she does what the word says. Good works are a result of genuine faith. 
But be careful not to, as you're doing these good works, be careful not to bring attention to yourselves because all the attention should go to God. Um, being ready and willing to help others in their time of need is a, is a great way to show our faith. A great example in the Bible of actually doing the word is the Great Commission, which is Matthew twenty-eight nineteen, which says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Uh, it doesn't say sit around and wait on somebody to come so that you can talk to them about your faith. It says, therefore, go and make disciples. If we keep our faith to ourselves, that's not fulfilling what God has in store for us. Um, also, verse 23 and 24 in, in James 1 says, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. Here James is telling us that someone with true faith uh, should have good works in, embedded in their character. Uh, this quote that I'm about to read from John MacArthur in his, con- in his commentary on James is a great representation of verse 23 and 24 that I just read. Uh, MacArthur says, In New Testament times, mirrors were typically made from polished brass or bronze, but even the most expensive mirrors were primitive compared to the glass ones, which were not developed until the 14th century. Consequently, those early mirrors gave a dim and distorted reflection of the person using them. But by carefully turning the mirror and finding the best light, a person could eventually see a fairly accurate image of his face. And that is the idea that James has in mind. By careful and patient observation, he could eventually discover what he actually looked like. But for whatever reason, when he stops looking at himself and goes away, he immediately forgets what he has just seen. It is that forgetfulness which is the point of the analogy. Whether because of distraction, not being pleased with what was seen, or simply because of a poor memory, all the careful looking suddenly becomes wasted. Whatever the original purpose was for looking at oneself, what is, uh, what is seen is quickly forgotten. A person who looks at God's word, even if it is carefully and accurately done, and yet does not apply the truths he has discovered in his own life, it is like someone who immediately forgets what he has just seen in a mirror, but the consequences are immeasurably worse. He sees his sin portrayed for the horrible evil that it is, and he also sees God's gracious provision in Christ for a remedy. Yet he goes on his way as if he were never exposed to those realities. The faithful hearer and doer of the word does not study the mirror itself, but rather what the mirror reveals, God's revealed will, God's revealed will and truth. Finally, in verse 25, James tells us that a believer who acts on faith will be blessed in his doing. David Platt says, You should receive the word humbly, the word implanted, the board planted in you, and to focus on it. Remember it and hide it in your heart and your mind. As you do this, the word, that word which initially gave you life as a Christian will work in and through you and move you to, to God's decrees. To conclude, my three points that I have discussed today are the origin of temptation, God's faithfulness in our times of trouble, and our responsibility to accept and trust in His faithfulness that He will get us through those times of trouble. Um, So will you pray with me? Dear Lord, I pray that if anyone here is going through uh, trials and temptations, that they would seek your guidance and receive the grace that you so gladly will give us. I pray that as we leave this place, that we would make an impact on those around us by doing your word. I pray that we would be consistent in our prayers and quiet times, and that we would go steadily in the faith every day. In your name we pray, amen. Um, For our invitation, I'd like to leave you with some questions and challenges as Kevin comes up. Um, When trials and temptations come your way, are you relying on God, or are you relying on yourselves to get through them? Um, Are your prayers and quiet times consistent? These are two great ways to communicate with God on a daily basis and further your relationship. 
Number three, do your outward actions express your inner feelings? As we talked about, it is not only important to hear the word, but also to do the word. Lastly, if you're going through a difficult time right now, uh, you're not alone. You were never promised a life free of troubles and burdens, but Jesus is here to love you and take care of you always. Every trial we go through is under God's control, and he, is, he accomplishes His purpose through trials. We must be willing to admit to God that we have fallen and realize that He is, he is more than happy to help us because of His amazing love. We must not only realize the fact that He can help us, but we should accept we should accept His help instead of trying to do everything on our own. This morning you've heard the word preached faithfully. Um, when I went to Brandon earlier on um, a couple of months ago and asked him, if he would preach on you Sunday without hesitation, he said, absolutely. And so you can definitely see uh, the work that the Lord is doing in his life, and he's been able to communicate that to you this morning. And my hope and my prayer is as we sing this invitation song that we too evaluate and examine ourselves to see and uh, test the genuineness of our faith. These tests that James offers in his book show to us the most valuable thing that we could ever own. We value our homes. We value our cars and clothes. We even value our spouse and our children. And those things are incredibly valuable, but nothing is more valuable to us than to know with assuredness that we belong to Jesus. And this morning, like Brandon has said, it is nothing wrong with being tempted, but when we give over to temptation, give in to temptation, we need to come and confess that. But we know that when we come and confess that, that he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us because we are his children. He loves us. That's what he wants us to know this morning. And then if you are experiencing a trial this morning, that you just, just need the help of God with, come and cry out to Him. This altar is open for anyone who wishes to come and maybe recommit their life to Christ or just bring a trouble to the Lord this morning. Or you may be here this morning even totally and completely without the Lord and without a relationship with Him and you're hopeless. And you want to come this morning and begin a relationship with Him. He's crying out to you. He wants you to be saved. He wants you to know Him. So that invitation is there as well. And I will be here to talk with you. We have others that would love to talk with you about that. And then thirdly this morning, if there's you know, uh, a call in your life to join Pitts Baptist Church as a member, we would love to have you be a part of our church and how we are trying to carry out the Great Commission as brothers and sisters in Christ. So whatever your need this morning, you respond uh, to the Lord's call. Would you stand, please? And as we sing, it is well with my soul. You respond to this morning's invitation.